0: But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. For those that don't know me, my name is Corey Johnston. And I was um, Trailhead's church planting resident. So what that meant is we, we spent the last year um, learning all the ins and outs for church planting. And then just a few weeks ago, if you were here, we announced that I, I'm officially switching gears. Um, and just now I'm just Trailhead's church planter that they're sending out to plant a church, start a church um, in Collinsville. And so I'm sharing this because we had our first preview uh, gathering or previous service last night, and a lot of you came and just came and supported us, and we just felt just overwhelmed um, which with, with the love and support of you all coming. We love this church. We love the leadership of this church and, and just being a part of your family. Um, and second thing I just want to say is um, Steve, if you're new to Trailhead, I'm not the pastor. Steve Mizell is the pastor, um, but he's currently in um, Kyrgyzstan, sorry, he's in Kyrgyzstan, and he's training and encouraging um, and coaching missionaries there um, in Kyrgyzstan. So what I want to do, before I get started, I just want to pray for him, um, pray for me, pray for us um, as a family as we're here this morning. So let's do that. God, we uh, just come, God, and we just are so overwhelmed by... Um, just, just your gifts that you give us, God, and, and in that gift, um, giving us to Steve to be our pastor, God, and, and to lead us and love us, God, and to not just get up and preach, God, but to live out, um, to practice what he preaches, so to speak, God. And so we pray for him as he's in Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyz, Kyrgyz, just, just loving people and, and equipping and training and encouraging missionaries, God. We pray, God, that the gospel would be shared, that people would come to know Jesus. Um, we pray for his family while he's away, God, that they feel loved and, and just valued, God. They know that we are here with them um, as a part of their family as well. Um, we pray a blessing over just the whole Mizell family, God. We pray for us as we gather here today uh, just to hear your word, God. We pray that your Your scripture would speak, you would open our hearts and our minds, Lord, and, and just teach us really what it means to, to experience rest, God. Just Just give us um, just in tenacity to want to pursue a relationship with you, God, so we can experience deep, deep, deep rest. Um, we pray all this in Jesus' name, through the gift and power of the Spirit. Amen. Cool. So whenever I say rest, what immediately comes to mind for you? Um, what I realized throughout the last week is in my conversations with people and through um, just kind of Googling like what I was going to be talking about just the, not that I Google this sermon by any means, but just the resources you know for rest. Um, I realized like everyone thought I was talking about sleep, and so I'm talking with people about this new series called Deep Rest, and and I'm like, hey, I'm just talking about rest, like oh, so you're gonna preach and like tell them they need to sleep eight hours a night, or they need their 20-minute power nap. I'm like, no, like, rest. And, like, no one understood what I was trying to get at. And so I started just kind of Googling, like, man, what can I, like, I need some some insight on this. I'm not good at resting. And everything I found there was, like, all led to, like, like sleep number beds and, like, pillow-top mattresses and just, like, all this ridiculous stuff. And so everything made me think of, like, sleep when I thought of rest just while I was doing this research. And so this next bit for my intro was just, just kind of for fun. But what I found out in reference to, to sleep and actually how much we work, I did a bit of research in this, and I found out that on average, we work, I'm sorry, let's start with sleep. We sleep an average of 22.2 years in our lives. Like, if you put all the time together, 22.2. I'm only 28, so it's like nuts to think about, and some of you aren't even 22 yet or 21 yet, and so like, you're going to sleep your whole life away as far as what you've lived so far. Well, I started thinking about work, and I was like, well, surely we, like, we work more because we feel exhausted, right? It's, surely we work more. Well, I found out that just in this research for fun that we sleep on average 10 years of our life if you were to take all the time together. So if you take all the vacation days, all the requests off, all the holidays, on average, our sleep-to-work ratio is double. So then why do we feel so exhausted if that's the case? And I think what I'm bringing to you today is I believe it's because we fail to put faith in God's promises. like We, we fail to, to just pursue relationship with God. And in, in our efforts to rest, we work and work and work to rest, and we're exhausting ourselves. This is what I've learned this whole last week. And this sermon could not have come at a better time for my family and for me specifically with everything that's going on. We work to rest, and we are exhausting ourselves. And so what do you think about whenever you think of rest? What immediately comes to mind? Like, if I could give you a magic pill, or I could just say abracadabra, and boom, rest, what do you picture? For me, there's about four different things that that I thought through that immediately surfaced. I'll put them up on the overhead for you. First and foremost, man, just a good cup of joe and a book, right? Like if I could just drink a a cup of coffee in a good book. I mean, I look at this picture, and I I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to take the drink of coffee to just chill and just relax and be focused for a little while. Just to come to that place and just, just be able to focus and direct my energy. It's just very relaxing. There's a lot of rest that comes from that. Or maybe for some of you, it's like vacation on a beach, like beachfront resort right? You can smell the ocean. You got sand in your toes, right? Like the, the salt smell in the air. Room service. Like who doesn't want room service? How restful is that? Someone just waiting on you, hand and foot. How do you feel when you're there, right? You feel your patience is a little better, a little more calm, right? In your life, you, you feel like this is the life. I'm living it, and it's it's awesome. It's restful. Or maybe it's, right. Um, <laughs> I feel like my wife might fall into you. It's just a big comfy bed, just like the internet kept bringing it up, man. Just like that, that big down comforter, some memory foam pillow, something you can just fall into and it just embraces you like a cocoon. You know, just no alarm clocks, no little feet running down the hallway, no expectations, just solitude. right? And it's restful when we're in that place, is it not? I mean, we love it. No lights on, just let me just sleep in. And for some, and this is maybe where I fall a little bit more, is I don't really need to sit and dwell and meditate on everything to, to rest, but I need kind of an energized escape. And so for me, like I'd rather be out like kayaking or hiking or rock climbing. And for some you're a little crazier, like you want to do like spelunking and things of that sort. And but it's good, it's an energized escape. Right and like we love it. I mean, we feel like we're in control. We feel self-confident. We feel accomplished. Like it's just that energized. No need to sit and dwell. On, I don't want to lay in bed and think about problems. I just want to go and like and do something. And it's actually restful. And that's it's, it works. These are all phenomenal gifts. But how long does it last? Like how long does your calm really last when you feel that? How long does your patience? last? How long do you feel energized? For me, it's until I open my computer in the morning, or until I notice my phone sitting next to my cup of coffee, or until I get my first push notification from Facebook or Twitter or GroupMe, or I get my first email or my first calendar reminder for the day, and then it's no more rest, right? It's all work. And see, none of these things are permanent solutions. They're all great gifts. They're phenomenal gifts that we get to experience but they're not the, per- the permanent solution. Like, none of these things we've mentioned were ever, that were ever given to us to bear the weight that we put onto them. None of them were, were given to us so we could experience the rest that we're all longing for, and this is why we feel so exhausted. It's because we're working in our own strength to try and provide something in our lives that ultimately only God can give us. Okay, and so for my big idea for the day, I'll put it up on the screen. This is where our sermon is going today. And it is that religion exhausts, relationship refreshes. And so my definition for religion, so there's no confusion as far as what I mean when I say religion, is this. Working in your own strength to provide an outcome or solution that only God can provide. And I would take that even a step further to say work in your own strength to provide um, the something that God can provide would be like provide love from God, provide salvation from God, provide an inheritance that only God can give us. It's us working in our own strength to provide something, a gift that only God can give us. That's what I mean when I say religion. Okay? And so typically when I preach, I have um, we do what's called like an expository sermon, right? Where I'll give you scripture and we'll preach straight through that scripture. Today's going to be a little different in that I had to make a few changes to my sermon, and so I'm not going to exactly be doing that, but I'm going to be referencing Galatians 5. And so I just share this because we do it a very specific way for the most part here, and I just want you guys to to be on track with me. So as we move into the text now, Paul is going to tell us three ways that I believe we can experience deep rest. And the first one is this He calls us to walk in the Spirit. This is the beginning of Galatians 5. so he says this, he says, we have to walk in the spirit so that we don't give in or cave in or give or, or gratify our fleshly desires. He says we have to walk in the spirit so that we don't walk in the flesh is what Paul immediately comes out the gate telling us. And, and let, me, so let me explain that. What he's, what he's referencing is when, we're, um, when we become believers in Christ, we receive what's called the Holy Spirit. And whenever we receive that Spirit, our flesh, ourselves, and the world around us immediately have conflict with the Spirit, right? And so our flesh, we want to walk in the flesh, our own worldly desires. We want to act the way we used to act and make decisions based off who we used to be. But when we come into relationship with Jesus, all of that changes. And we receive what's called the Holy Spirit, and, and we are given this as a gift so that we can walk in the Spirit, okay? And so Paul says this is tension that we have to live in. And we all live in this tension of, of having to, to choose walking in the flesh or walking in the Spirit. So maybe like, for example, in the last few days or weeks or months, maybe there's a decision you had to make. And you knew that this, is, this decision was going to either negatively impact someone close to you or potentially and potentially, like, build you up. Like, it was going to benefit you positively, them negatively. There was a split second where you said, I'm either going to walk in the flesh, and I'm going to pursue my own desires. I'm going to walk in the, in the Spirit, and I'm going to pursue what it looks like to be like Jesus. There's a split second. There's some tension that lives there. Or maybe you're in an argument, right, with your spouse, or your mom, or dad, brother, sister, boyfriend, girlfriend, professor, whatever it may be, there's a split second where you said, I'm going to be prideful, I'm going to walk in my flesh, and I'm going to be right in this argument, or I'm going to pursue the spirit, I'm going to submit in humility, right? And I'm just going to let the argument phase out. It's not that important. There's a second in there where we have a choice to make, right? Or maybe it's you're on the internet late at night, and some clicks and YouTube videos turn into images you shouldn't see in pornography. There's a moment where you said, I'm going to pursue the flesh, right? I'm going to pursue that, and I'm not going to pursue the Spirit. You have a choice, and your attention as Christians, those of us that are in Christ, we live in this tension, and we have to either pursue flesh, or we get the opportunity to pursue the Spirit, which has been given to us freely as a gift. You guys with me? Does it make sense? Good, good. I see some heads nodding, so I'm assuming that we're all together on this. Um, So what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Well, first and foremost, we have to be in relationship with God. You have to be in relationship to walk with God, to walk in the Spirit. And to walk in the Spirit is to walk in the empowerment of God, the empowerment of the Spirit that is over your life. And the only avenue to having the Holy Spirit is through your relationship with God. Right, through putting your faith in the finished work of Christ and knowing that it's not about your performance or your ability to make the right decision or do the right thing, but solely in the performance of Jesus. He lived the perfect life in our place as our substitute. So God no longer sees our sin, sees our flesh. He sees the perfection that is Jesus. That was, that's what we put our faith in as believers that allows us to start being in relationship and walking in the Spirit. Um, so for example, let me say this to you, walk in the spirit is, it's progressive. It's ongoing. Like if I were to walk across the stage, I move forward in life. If you all were to walk across campus or the bike trails or to class or anywhere in your work, vocationally, you progressively move forward. To walk in the spirit is to progressively move forward in your relationship with God. Right, we, it's it's, it's a continuation of, of live, loving and seeking out and looking for relationship. It, it all comes from 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 God as a gift from God um, to be in relationship with Him. And as we move forward in our relationship, we'll do um, we'll actually gain what's called the fruit of the spirit. And we'll put this up for you. So as we progressively move forward and we pursue relationship, um, fruit of the spirit begins to make itself known through us. And what the fruit of the Spirit is, is the character qualities of God that, that, that are gifts given to us because we're in relationship. This is nothing that we can manifest within ourselves. This is nothing that we, can, that we in our own strength or efforts, um, can make known to people around us. These are only gifts, and they only come from relationship. This is a byproduct of walking in the Spirit not something that we can gain ourselves. So you'll hear this illustration throughout the next few weeks where um, we'll talk a lot about maybe this this metaphorical tree that we brought up where does an apple tree, does the branch actually have to work to produce fruit? And the answer is no. The, apple tree, the branch in and of itself does nothing to produce fruit in an apple tree. What produces the fruit is the branch is connected to the vine. The branch is connected to the life source, and the fruit is a byproduct of that tree. Likewise, when we're in a relationship with God, the fruit is the byproduct. It's the character qualities of God that flow out from us. Or in the same sense, if you think about um, maybe a woman who's pregnant, does a baby have to work to, pr- like, to produce nutrients or produce oxygen or produce vitamins. The baby doesn't work to produce any of that. The baby's connected to the life source, connected to the body, and the mother actually automatically just produces that things. It's because the baby is connected to the body, sorry, I get this image of a baby, right? Like the baby doesn't hop up and like roll up its little Michelin man arm rolls and say, like, let's do some work, right? I've got some oxygen to create here. I've got to make some vitamins. He just is, it's just a byproduct of being in the body, literally being in the body. Likewise, right? This fruit of the Spirit comes from being in Relationship. There's nothing that we can do. It's just we are just called to be in a relationship, and as a result, we're connected to the vine. We're connected to the life source, and the byproduct is the fruit of the Spirit. And if you look up here, I mean, could you picture a better day, right? Like, Could you picture being more restful if this is what you're experiencing throughout the whole day? If you're loving people well and full of joy and full of peace and, and patience and kindness and goodness and, and faithfulness, I mean, could you put together a better list of what would feel like rest than that list right there? I would venture to say no. And think about people you interact with. Like, think about someone who's full of love. Like, you just got to image in your head like, oh, yeah, that guy or that gal. Like, I love being around them. They're so lovable. Or think about people in your life that are just full of joy, right? You just want to be around them. It's contagious. Or people that are peaceful. They don't get involved in conflict, and they don't get involved with with gossip and things of that sort. They just stay out of. They're just full of peace. Like it's it's easy to be around them. It's almost restful, right, to be around them. It's like a brush of a breath of fr- fresh air whenever you come into contact with them. Like, well, this is a byproduct, again, of walking in relationship with God. We can't create these. We can give small glimpses of these things to people, but we can't fully create them in and of ourselves. And so let me just hit some of these so I can explain. Love, for example. It's difficult to be angry with someone when you're walking in the Spirit because you're constantly under the recognition of God's eternal love for us. It's not that we're really great at loving people, but as you walk in relationship with God, you, you understand how much He had to love creation to crucify His Son. And that just begins to flow out from you, or patience, for example. Patience will flow out from you when you're walking in the Spirit, because you understand, you start to get an understanding of the eternal amount of patience God has towards creation. I mean, put together thousands and thousands of years of this beautiful plan to bring about a redeemer, to bring about a rescuer. His name is Jesus. He's eternally patient. He's patiently pursuing us, patiently loving us, patiently inviting us into a relationship with him. It's patience, right? These are byproducts. We're not patient because we're really great at being patient. We experience patience because God is eternally patient in our lives. Peace, for example. You experience peace because you understand that, again, God chose to kill Jesus, to sacrifice Jesus in our place as our substitute so we don't have to be at war with the flesh, so we don't have to battle with walking in the flesh and walking in the Spirit. He did this so that we could experience peace in life here, in peace, in eternity with him. Peace will flow out from us as we're walking in relationship with God. And I'll hit one more, just self-control. Right, Jesus models the ultimate form self-control. He lives the perfect life in our place as our substitute. He faced all the same sins and temptations that we face on a daily basis. No different. But he modeled perfect self-control. He lived a perfect life of obedience for us, so that whenever we sin or fall short, or we feel like we don't measure up, God no longer sees us and our sin for those of us that are in Christ. He sees Jesus's perfection. He sees Jesus's self-control, and as we begin to move into relationship with God and walk in the Spirit, what happens is we, we begin to realize this in our lives, that it's, that we don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to have the all, like everything under control because Jesus did it for us in our place. And as we have this understanding, our minds begin to change. We stop focusing so much on the world and our own selfish desires, and we we'll actually start loving people and leading people to this God that we're talking about. So there's just some examples of how it just, this byproduct flows out from us. These are God's character qualities. And lastly, Paul tells us that we need to keep in step with the Spirit. This is the hard one for us um, it's a little bit more than just being in relationship. It's actually, as believers, assuming responsibility of your faith and submitting to God's leadership over your life. This is what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. Let me give you a, an illustration for application here. Um, have any of you ever seen, like, drill and ceremony for the army? Does anybody know what that is? Okay, crickets. I didn't think anybody would. So this illustration is going to be awesome. Um, well, I was in basic training for the, uh, for the Army. We had to do a thing called drill and ceremony, or D&C is what they called it, um, not to be confused with the comic book. But um, what we'd have to do, so if you've ever seen, like, a platoon out in a field, and they're all, like, walking together in rows, and they're doing, like, right faces, or they do something that's called, like, a counter column where they're, like, do like just a reverse walk, or they maybe throwing their weapons around, and it looks really neat when it's done well. Well, I was really terrible at it in basic training. I could not keep in step, right, uh, and as a result, my drill sergeants hated me for the most part. And during this time, it's like highly competitive, and those guys, man, both of them were like six six and three hundred seventy-five pounds. They're like the biggest men in the world, and. They could, like, spit more and yell louder and, and like you less during this time. And that's not what you want to happen. But I literally, at that time, I'm 18 years old, I'm young, I'm even more gangly than now, and I just couldn't focus, and I literally, like, could not keep in step. And as a result, they despised me, right? My li- relationship with them was not very good. I could not follow their lead because I literally could not keep In step. And Paul tells us like there's a little bit more than just being in relationship and and obtaining all these gifts that are great, but we actually have to keep in step. We have to submit to the Spirit leading us in life, right? We have to submit to His guidance and His love and His direction. It's not just about checking boxes and being in a relationship, but there's a level of submission that comes as well. And this is something that we struggle with for sure. Charles Spurgeon is a, a great, uh, great man in history. He's one of the fathers of the faith. Um, one of the most quoted men in history um, has this to say about what I'm talking about. I'll let you read it, and then I'll read it. He says, I cannot conceive it possible for anyone truly to receive Christ as Savior and yet not to receive him as Lord. A man who is really saved by grace does not need to be told that he is under solemn obligations to serve Christ. The new life within him tells him that. Instead of regarding it as a burden, he gladly surrenders himself, his body, his soul, and his spirit, to the Lord who has redeemed him, reckoning this to be his reasonable service. What Spurgeon is saying is that Jesus is not just Savior, he's Lord. And it's easy for us to, to love Jesus as Savior. We love the gifts. Right? We love knowing, yeah, we've been forgiven for sin. And We love knowing that we're going to receive an inheritance in heaven. And, and we love knowing that we've received grace and relationship. And those are all beautiful things that are given to us. But what we don't like to do is submit to Jesus as Lord over our lives. We don't like to, come to fall in behind him and come in to, to be in step with him, to allow him to lead our decisions through the Spirit. We love the gifts. We don't like surrendering ourselves. We don't like the idea of reorienting our lives around other people because Jesus has called us to. We don't like the idea of relocating, perhaps, because Jesus is calling us to. We don't like the idea of getting out and sharing the gospel, which is a command, because we fear rejection and acceptance, and we're worried we're going to step on maybe someone's toes or something along those lines. We, We fear... Um, kind of the unknown, and as a result, we don't do well at submitting it to him as Lord over our lives, but we love the idea of him being Savior, and what Spurgeon is saying is like it's, it's a non-negotiable. It's just part of the Christian life is that we fall in behind Jesus, fall in behind the Holy Spirit. We keep in step and allow them to lead our lives as we progressively move forward in relationship. This is what it means to keep in step. And so Paul throws us this curveball. He's saying there's more to it than just checking boxes. There's more to it than, than just being in a relationship or reading the right things or just doing the right things. It's about submitting to leadership. Um, and so Mars Hill puts out—Mars is a church in Seattle, if you're familiar with that church. And they put out a resource that I, I want to address. And I just, actually, I just put this in here last night. Um, I just feel like it's something as a church that we just need to, we just need to hear. And so here's a resource they put out about religion. It says, Religion ends in either pride, because I think I'm better than other people, or despair, because I continually fall short of God's commands. The gospel ends in humble and confident joy because of the power of Jesus at work for me, in me, through me, and sometimes in spite of me. I'll give you a second to reread it. It's kind of wordy. And so what they're saying is when we work in our own strength, instead of resting in relationship, right, we're going to exhaust ourselves. And the reason is because when we work in our own strength, when we make our own religious attempt to find relationship or find rest, it ends in two different, it can only have two outcomes. It's either going to end in pride or it's going to end in despair. And pride says, I deserve relationship with God. It's owed to me right i deserve it i do all these good things i deserve it and despair says you know i hope to obtain a relationship i'm not really very good i'm kind of sinful i don't know that i deserve it so i'm going to do some stuff and i hope to obtain it right but the gospel says you've been accepted because of the work of christ not because of anything that you've done that he's already done all the work for you he's lived up to all of god's expectations for us and it calls us to rest the world says rest and the world says work, and Jesus says rest. Come rest in relationship with me. So I want to talk through pride and despair. With pride, you only work to achieve God's acceptance, um, because you literally believe you deserve it. Like you, you read the right things. You, you have all the newest books, and you read your Bible every day, and you, you pray the right prayers, and you go to community group every week, and you serve people, and you have a nonprofit that you serve, and and you come to church, and. And these are all phenomenal things. Here's where the twist comes. You do all these things, and then you look at people and you say, I'm better than you. I deserve more grace, more love, and a better relationship with Jesus than you do because I do all this. Look at me. Look at all that I can do. It's almost like you approach it like, God needs me. God needs me to do these things, and I'm owed this relationship that's been freely given to me. And that's where pride comes in. And when we work in our own strength and our own power, we begin to pat ourselves on the back. And we say, this is about me. Look at me. Look what I can do instead of saying, this is all about Jesus. Look what he did in our place. Right? And with despair, you come to the table with somewhat of the same mindset, but you're hoping to obtain something. And so you come in and you say, I'm really sinful. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I did as a child or in high school or college. You don't know what I've done in my relationship with my wife or my husband. And you don't know, like, I just don't deserve this. I don't deserve this grace and this love, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray the right prayer, and I'm going to hope among, among hopes that Jesus will accept me. I'm going to read the right scripture and read the right books, and I'm going to spend all my money on Amazon, and I'm going to have the most theological knowledge, and I'm going to do it in hopes that Jesus will accept me. I'm going to go to church because that's what good Christians do, and, and I know I don't deserve anything that he has to give me, but maybe, just maybe he'll reach out and, to me and grab me. And the whole time we're just working in our own strength to try and obtain something that only God can provide through the finished work of Jesus. And it's exhausting. Like, I look around the room, man, and, and on the campuses and in the workplaces, and we are exhausted because we want to obtain everything in our own strength and our own performance, and it's wearing us out. We're not experiencing deep rest. We are exhausted. As a community and as a country, we are wearing ourselves out and working ourselves to death, because we want to obtain something that only Jesus can provide. And for those of you dealing with despair, like Jesus died for sin, period. He didn't, he didn't put together a list, like a laundry list of these, I don't know about dying for these, these aren't, These are, you're kind of, whoa, you know, I don't know. He died for sin, like period. He said it is finished. And so if you're struggling with pride, you're struggling with despair, you can know that you have a place to come and rest, and it's at the throne of God. It's in relationship with him, right? You don't have to have it all figured out or know all the right language or, or be able to speak to everything I'm, I'm saying, but you can start with relationship. Just start there. Um, because you're both asking the same thing, and it is, how can I be justified? How can I be, concei- how can I be considered right before God? And you can't outside of Jesus. He's done all the work for you, right? So religion is exhausting, relationship is refreshing. This is what I'm hoping that you're starting to see um, as we move into the why of this thing. So you're probably asking, um, you know, why are you sharing all this with me? (laughs) Um, Well, at what point have I said so far that you need to drink the perfect cup of coffee, go on the best vacation, do your to-do list, and you will be justified? I haven't. Relationship isn't, um, rest isn't about you. It's about relationship. Rest comes from being in a relationship. Rest comes from understanding that, that you don't have to work anymore. It's all about Jesus. And there's hope and there's acceptance and there's love. And there's people in this room and outside of these walls that they need to hear this. I keep repeating myself over and over again. It's on purpose. Because just. want, I want the, if I hammer anything home, I want it to be this, that rest flows from relationship. That's all there is to it. And all that comes from the gospel. It all comes from Jesus. And when you look at your life and you think, man, but if I mean, how does it feel when you do your to-do list? Do you really feel accomplished? No, because a to-do list just gives you more to do. You just add more stuff to it. I mean, how do you feel when you go on that vacation? It feels great until you load up the minivan and you're riding home with screaming kids. Right? It it all changes at that time. That cup of coffee makes you feel energized and focused until you finally get to class. And then your caffeine high goes away and you can't focus again. Like, none of those things are meant to bear the weight that, that, that we put on them. So, we all want rest. Uh, we're not getting it, which means we don't know how. So, here's how I believe we get rest. First one's a no brainer be in relationship. Um, let me give you just an, an example. Uh, last week, I was here with, um, with, or the week before, I was here with Steve and, and Brian. Brian's the the guy who plays guitar up here, and Steve is our pastor who's in Kyrgyzstan. And we were in the conference room and my wife called. And so I stepped out and she wanted to go to lunch and so we picked 54th Street. Um, and so I walked back in and I sat down and Steve's like, you know, who's that? And Steve's our pastor. He's like, who's that? I was like, it was Andrea? I was like, "What wish you want? She wanted to go to lunch. And then he's like, pulls this Yoda move on me like he always does. And, and he's like, well, where'd you pick? And I knew there's like a coaching moment coming at me. He's like, Where'd you pick? I'm like, 54th Street. <laughs> that was like really intimidated. 54th Street, like I made the wrong decision. And it and he goes, Well, how'd you pick that? And I was like, Oh, geez, here it goes. And I was like, Man, it didn't matter. Like, where I picked, I just I just want to be with my girls. I just want to be with my wife and and baby. And he's like, You got it. And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, he's like, that's it, man. He's like, that's rest. I was like, I don't, I don't get it, you know? He's like, rest is just about being in relationship. He's like, you could have picked any restaurant in the Metro East. You could have went anywhere. He's like, you don't go to 54th Street for the food. Like, it's okay, but it's not going to blow your mind. It's like, you, you didn't care where you went. It's about just being in relationship and just being with your girls. You could have picked anywhere, right? And what he was saying is that whenever Andrew and I are like, whenever everything's going well and we're jiving and, and things are smooth, rest flows from that. Right? It's easy to model the fruit of the Spirit because God's character qualities are flowing out of our relationship. It's easy to be loving. It's easy to experience peace and joy. It's easy to be faithful in our relationship with one another because God, because we're first and foremost in relationship with God, but the byproduct of that in our relationship is his qualities flow out from us. We could have picked anywhere, right? So we need to start with just being in relationship, just believing the gospel. It's not about you and your performance, but it's all about Jesus. Secondly, we have to pursue relationship. What attracted you most to the person that you love the most in life? What attracted you to that person? You dudes are like, well, she was attractive. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I get it. Um, Check this out. God has really attractive qualities. Um, No relationship will ever sustain itself. You have to pursue being in a relationship. You have to communicate with that person, interact with that person, love that person. He has really attractive qualities. God's a creator. Go create something as part of being in a relationship with him. God created everything. Just go outside. Let the sun hit you in the face and enjoy being out there. Just delight in God, as part of being in relationship, just like you would delight in being around the person you love most, whether it's your mom or dad or brother, sister, your spouse, fiance, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. Just be in relationship and pursue the relationship. For some of you, maybe it just, the, the thing that attracted you most wasn't so much physical, but it was that they listened well. So spend some time and talk to God. Don't add anything new to your life to try to make this thing happen. Just do what you're already doing with people around you. Just talk to him right? I mean, if you're angry with him, then tell him you're angry. Some of you, you, I've had a conversation last week. Someone said, I just hate God. Awesome. Tell him you hate him, right? I don't think it's, I mean, it's not awesome for the individual, but tell them. Just say, he's like, I don't know how to respond. Just tell him. Say, I hate you, right? If you're angry, tell him. If you hate him, tell him. If you don't believe in him, then say it. You're like, bro, I'm just going to be talking to myself. Just try it out and see what happens. Like, just say, I don't believe in you. Just interact with him in the same way that you would interact with the person you love most in your life. If you love him, tell him you love him. If you have secrets, share them. If you have sin, share them. I, mean, I share everything with my wife. Right? Sometimes probably more than she wants me to, if I'm being honest. Do that with God. He listens. He's a very attractive listener. There's nothing you can say to offend him or hurt his feelings in any way. Just share with him everything. If you have things that fire you up and get you excited, like, just like you would share with the person you love most in life, share it with them. Don't add anything new. Just start with being in a relationship and pursuing a relationship like you would with anyone else in your life. And lastly, model this relationship. Um, I think I have multiplied the relationship up there. Um, this, is a f- this is a part of keeping in step and, and submitting to the Spirit's leading In your life, and so we're given some very specific commands in in Scripture for those of us that are in Christ, that believe in Jesus. And one of them is to make disciples. That makes disciples. Um, Share your relationship with people around you. Like when I get invited to a party, I cannot wait to take my wife with me, right? Not so much just to show her off. She's awesome, loving woman. She's back there with our baby. But I just can't wait to share the relationship with people. I can't wait to just share that, just the whole interaction with her and me being with her with other people. This is the way we should approach being in our relationship with God. It should so move us so deeply that we cannot wait to share this relationship with other people. We just can't wait to to fall in behind him, to keep in step, to walk in the Spirit, and just let the fruit of that Spirit flow out from our relationship in any general setting. You think people are going to be offended if you're loving them well? (laughs) if you're you're being joyful, if you're being patient with them, if you're modeling self-control, right, all these byproducts of just being in relationship with God, it's going to be attractive to them. They're going to know, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you different? Why are you pursuing me differently? Why are you not out for your own agenda? Why do you love me so well? And you can say, man, I'm in a relationship with the creator of the world. Let me just tell you about him, right? You don't have to have all the information. You don't have to know everything, but you can start by just talking about the relationship. Hey, he's a really great listener, He listens well. He has really attractive qualities. If you look outside, you can see some of his masterpiece. He's a great artist, right? Let's go sharing that together. Let's just go outside, just multiply the relationship, share the relationship with people, right? Any relationship that we're in, if we don't pursue it, it's going to fail, right? Fortunately, we have a a God who loves us enough to, to seal us in himself, regardless of our ability to pursue him. He still seeks us out and loves us. But here, we have got to work on relationships with one another, but I think we start by modeling that with our Creator, right? Relationship is so refreshing, um, but religion is really, really exhausting, and we are literally killing ourselves trying to obtain different things in our lives. I'm gonna put some questions up for you all to use for um, for reflection, uh, and let me pray for us. I know I'm a little short today, but let me pray. Um, you I can re- reflect and, and meditate on these um, questions. God, we just give you um, all the love, um, God, all the praise, and uh, God, we thank you for, for actually just sending Paul into the world who wrote Galatians, God, for us to to learn from, and God, for us to grow. We thank you for inviting us into a relationship, inviting us to walk with you hand in hand, God, and to be in a relationship with you, God, and for giving us just the, the fruit of the Spirit, God, for letting us experience your love and your joy and your peace and your kindness, God. I, I pray that you would give us a heart to keep in step, God, to follow behind you um, so that we can experience the, the benefits of that fruit, God, which is rest. Um, it all flows from relationship. It all froze from you loving us first and, and calling us to, to love you, and, and we're excited um, to do that. I pray you break our hearts for you. Uh, we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.